Hello, and welcome to Wild Sessions. I'm your host, Henrietta Norton, parent, author, nutritional practitioner, and founder of Wild Nutrition. Joining me are some incredibly empowering voices, specialists in women's life stages from menstruation to menopause. Together, we explore the twists and turns, intricacies and insights that make our bodies the scientific marvels they are. Over the last year, I have been fortunate to have had many inspiring conversations with women at different life stages. And during these conversations, menopause and perimenopause continued to come up as a key time for many women. For some, symptoms began to impact their working lives. For others, it affected relationships with those around them. But for most, there was a lack of awareness that behind many of these symptoms was the perimenopause, a life stage that brings symptoms and change far beyond the infamous hot flashes and destabilizes their confidence and mental well-being. So in this special episode, we've taken some of the highlights from these rich conversations to help illustrate that not only does this life stage affect so much of your life, but also how empowering it can be. Not just a time of hot flushes, it is a time of rebirth and celebrating the woman you become. Our first highlight is from a conversation with Lorna Driver-Davies, our Head of Nutrition at Wild Nutrition. And here we discuss what perimenopause is and how and why this life stage shifts our whole body called the menopause but it's actually broken down into different stages can we talk about what defines perimenopause menopause and then postmenopause yes yeah sure the latin meaning of perimenopause being before around menstruation pause stopping menstruation so perimenopause can be you know up to 10 years prior to actually uh, cessation of periods women might go then and seek help but actually all the other symptoms signs you you could have been going through perimenopause for a lot longer absolutely yeah so perimenopause is going to be starting to happen at around i would say early 40s kind of mid 40s quite a good useful thing is to actually try and ask your mum mm. when she went through menopause. Yes. Because it can give you a bit of a timeline. In fact, if your granny's still alive, she might also be able to, to give you a comment. And if you're noticing some kind of odd symptoms going on or something's going on with your menstrual cycle and other symptoms and you're under 40, do get that checked out because it could yeah. be something else going on. Yeah. What perimenopause is, is the lead up to the end of your periods, you know, the end of your fertile years. What you might start to notice is a change in your cycle, and it could be that your cycle is becoming shorter or longer. You might notice some changes in your bleeding and menstruation. One of the things that's going on eventually is that you're going to stop ovulating, but you might still then be having periods still. So when we're saying changes in um, menstruation, it can be anything from yeah. heavier, heavier, clottier, or lighter. lighter. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. can still keep that pattern of regularity, can't you? Which I think is a bit yeah. that can sometimes yes. be quite mysterious. And yes. people think, well, it surely I can't be going through it because my cycle is still very regular and when there's not ovulation going on because obviously you can be menstruating but there's no ovulation going on then you're not going to get that dose of progesterone that you'd get in the second half of the cycle so you can often then start to see heavier periods and that's an interesting one around nutrient loss as well Mm -hmm. and things like iron for example so you might then also start to notice that you're getting more tired now that is also a related symptom of perimenopause changes in energy you know changes in your sleep mood changes feel a bit more vulnerable they feel a bit more like they can't tolerate stress as well yeah absolutely and i think it's a perfect illustration of how complex and 
integrated all the systems are in the body yeah so you know what you think is going to be a very physical experience yeah change of menstruation yeah hormonal changes actually ends up being something that you experience in your brain in your emotions Absolutely. And so it's yeah. all of those yeah. signs as well yeah. we're so wedded to our cycle and hormones and so much of our personality and our brain and our ability to process information is really powered by a lot of those amazing hormones. Yeah. At that stage, you might start to be having lower levels of testosterone. And testosterone gives us loads of drive and it helps things like sleep and mood and sex drive and gives us muscle tone. So if you've got lower levels of hormones as you're kind of going through that phase towards menopause, you know, you're not going to feel like you did. So just to recap on that, there are biochemical changes that are starting to happen under the skin and can be disguised as things that we wouldn't necessarily put down to no. menopause. Changes emotionally, changes psychologically. Yes. Feeling just slightly out of kilter. Yeah. But your cycle can remain the same. Yes. Nuances, nuance changes there, maybe longer, shorter, heavier, mm -hmm. but still regular menstruation can still be occurring. Yes. And that yeah. can be for anywhere between two and ten years, can't Absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. And then what do we define as menopause? So menopause is medically defined as no period for more than 12 months. Yeah. And actually, the five years after you've actually had that 12 months are also special post-menopause years that also need support and help because you've got very low very low levels of hormones then and your body is expecting those hormones to kind of be around because actually estrogen is often thought about in terms of menstruation in terms yes. of reproduction but actually yeah. we have cells in our brain and in yes. our, all over our body that respond to estrogen Absolutely. so the amount of estrogen that we have in our body particular types of estrogen mm. that we have in our body can determine how well our heart functions yeah well our brain functions so yeah. actually when we see a decline in estrogen we can sometimes see a decline in those cognitive functions as well Absolutely. and so that's why it's so need supporting yeah. interesting point on that one is that alzheimer's is more common in women than getting breast cancer we're not talking enough about women's brain function and that relationship to hormones and it's really important so and you know in full menopause for example back to the heart suddenly the stats go up on high blood pressure heart attacks that kind of thing and women are like this is so strange i cycle every day i eat really good food i take my supplements why have i got high blood pressure it's like well you haven't got the oestrogen there because oestrogen is really calming and soothing and kind yeah. of just settles everything. Yeah. If somebody wanted to know definitively what stage they are at mm -hmm. and they went to a doctor or in the case of us, a functional medicine practitioner yes. who would look not only at what's happening with your hormonal regulation, mm -hmm. but is looking at various other things that we know to be so incredibly important, lifestyle, yeah. food intake, supplementation, yes. nutrient deficiencies so many other functions yeah. what do you think is the most important thing for them to go and ask for if you still have a still having a cycle so we're talking about perimenopause still yeah. then i would recommend having a day three cycle test mm -hmm. this is to have hormones such as fsh uh, lh checked progesterone estrogen progesterone is harder to check on that day because obviously you wouldn't get a natural rise but sometimes it can be added in on that day if you want to i would probably even check the testosterone and actually the thyroid so I always put that in because actually there's a big relationship between how our cycle functions and our hormones. Sometimes I've seen women who are beginning to get thyroid symptoms because they're going into perimenopause. 
Getting comfortable with change at this life stage is hard, both internally and aesthetically. And to discuss this further, I interviewed Abigail James, a facialist and renowned queen of skin, about a holistic approach to the ageing process. Now it's about healthy ageing. I would love to ask you what you think healthy ageing is, what it means to you. Yeah, I like to call it ageing well. And I think it's that complete 360. Yes, we need good skincare products. And there's some amazing technology, even within clean beauty, that can get results. So that's one core of it. I think treatments forms another way that we can be supporting underlying collagen, uh, reducing the appearance of wrinkles, but in a non-invasive way, so not going to surgery. Our diet can potentially speed up the visible ageing process. Our stress levels, when we're stressed, we're giving off different hormones, which will physically impact on our collagen production. So collagen is, you know, the building blocks of skin, tissue. But from an ageing point of view, if we're stressed, even blood flow is going to be compromised to the skin. We need lots of fresh blood flow for good nutrients going to the skin. So that it's multifaceted when it comes to ageing well. And it's that combined approach. And for me, it's always a constant working process. It is. You know, I know my diet should be full of certain things, but there's a birthday and I want to eat the cake. And not forgetting the mindset of how we feel about our looks. And I think, to me, that's the biggest positive shift we can make around ageing well. Because there absolutely has been a shift. We know that the word anti-ageing is almost not allowed. But actually have our views about ageing really changed you know we we still see this with famous faces that the guys are still allowed to get gray and turn into a silver fox but a woman isn't necessarily she's not allowed to do that yet so I I still feel there's that inner work that we still need to do about how we feel about how we look but I still think we've got a long way to go with the global view of let's say women's aging as well Absolutely. I would say that it's very deeply embedded in our culture and it will take some time to work its way through. And there are changes happening, but it needs to happen on a very individual level to come to a place where one can celebrate the idea of us getting older. And I mean, there's a lot of talk at the moment around the menopause and perimenopause. And historically, there's been a lot of fear about going into that stage of life. But you look at different cultures where women are absolutely celebrated once they've gone through the menopause for their wisdom, for their knowledge, for their beauty, for their power, because they've reconnected with a different part of their strength. And that's all part of that beauty conversation as well. What is beautiful? It's like the inner, inner beauty shining through, which can seem like a lovely sentiment when we're younger, but becomes even more important, I think, as we get to be part of that sort of ageing conversation. When we were both working at the Integrated Medical Centre in London, I would see people that had a really fantastic diet, but their health issues were stemming from the fact that they were overworked, overstressed, not living their life's purpose. 
those are the things that were driving this increase of inflammation, that increase of cellular deterioration, not giving the body enough time to to settle and, and recover. It's been said for a long time that our that our skin reflects actually what's going on inside, and that that really is the case, isn't it? It is. You know, we, we can have, let's say, a face that has character and lines on it, and that person is possibly more on a cellular level healthier and ageing better, but they're not doing certain procedures to dramatically change their faces. Mm, mm. So the ageing process is so individual how we all choose to do it. And whether you're someone who does the Botox, fillers, lasers or not, or you're somewhere in between, it's about being happy and confident and as healthy as, as you can be. I think even more so in a world where, without judgment, the Botox route has become a more common choice than it has been in the past. And as individuals, we very easily look to others to gauge where to place ourselves. And if we are looking around and people have got very, very youthful skin, it's very easy to feel that we shouldn't be looking the way that we are. And so it's much more important now to dig really deep into that. I'm okay. I'm comfortable with who I am. I'm really proud of. And that's so easy to say, but so difficult Difficult to do. That's real deep internal work. And it's touching on the emotional part of us, the spiritual part of us. It's on every level. Yeah. I mean, as ageing humans, ageing women, our faces and our bodies go through dramatic shifts. For me personally, at 40, I'm still okay with what I'm looking at. Get to the other side of 40, you know, I've just turned 47. It's like, okay, well, this is quite different now. And it's a big thing. It's a huge thing. And I find that challenging. Mm. We were brought up around the supermodel era, And my mother was always on a diet. I suppose that in the background was just the underlying. Thin is good, a certain aesthetic is good and the thing to aim towards. But as our bodies naturally change, that's actually not healthy for us, internally and emotionally, to keep striving to have a a certain physical setup. I know we've kind Mm -hmm. of digressed into the more body side of things, but they're all aspects of ageing. Exercise and what our body requires demands change at this life stage too. We can support ourselves in a holistic way and I discuss the benefit of strength training at this time of life with fitness expert Kate Roham. I was told perhaps I was over-exercising but deep down I just knew that something wasn't right and I began to realise actually a lot of what I was experiencing sounded like perimenopause Mm -hmm. but there wasn't enough information about how we eat and how we should exercise Mm -hmm. at that time and Mm -hmm. you don't have to exercise differently but we need to remember our body is changing Mm -hmm. and actually as soon as I got to grips with the fact that I was perhaps on that perimenopause journey I actually looked into taking HRT I really looked at my diet and exercise and the impact that that perhaps was having on my body and looked at what we needed to do as women at that age so that before we get to that point your body is ready and stronger and you're exercising the right way and you've put in those little lifestyle tweaks and actually the earlier you put those in the easier 
Absolutely. And that's entirely our philosophy around women's health. The preparation for menopause starts at puberty. The preparation for fertility starts before puberty. So it's like building up a bank account. You've got to put those lifestyle interventions in prior to being in the situation so it's not as reactive. Had I known at 35 that weight training was going to be key in terms of my muscles and my bones, I probably would have done it then. I think that we grew up thinking that running, running, running was the right way, Mm -hmm. restricting diets and all of this sort of stuff Mm -hmm. to be a shape or a size that we should be. And I think that's the other thing that when we get to this point in our lives, we've got to stop chasing that 30-year-old self Mm -hmm. and we have to start future-proofing our bodies. Mm -hmm. And like you say, that starts really at puberty. You know, I've Mm -hmm. got a daughter and I want her to think about all the things that she's putting in her body now, Mm -hmm. how she's eating, how she's exercising Mm -hmm. and how that will help her at those times of the month and then as she gets older with pregnancy. But this is the thing, there is so much information given to women around puberty and around pregnancy, yet we suddenly get to menopause and it's only now that the conversations are happening. Mm. No, completely, like, I, I think that we have to accept that there are going to be those changes and actually movement and eating for mobility, for strength and for longevity so has to outweigh the aesthetic benefits but it is it is really difficult because a lot of us do struggle with that side like you're saying actually I did a post recently on these before and after fitness regimes that people go for and you can't see the before and after of what's going on inside of your body you can't Absolutely. see what you're doing for your heart for your mm. for your bones for your joints mm. for your mental health mm. you know everything circulation all of it mm. is so improved and that's what we have to try to get women to focus on and if you do if weight loss or fat loss is a goal that will naturally happen and it will become sustainable the research that i've seen around exercise is how important consistency is yeah and i think exercise becomes especially important around perimenopause because so much of it is around how our management of inflammation can increase our body's ability to go through those transitions with more fluidity yeah So those very erratic symptoms that we might get during the menopause can be tempered more with exercise just from that pure mechanism that we can't even see inside. Yeah, it's all about the hormone health. And like you say, with inflammation goes into your guts, it's everyone actually. That ties in with the decline in estrogen. Yes, Because that's what affects those markers. So yeah, you can manage that really well by good diet and exercise. But again, like you're saying, with that consistency, that doesn't mean seven days a week with no rest and powering your body because then obviously that affects your cortisol levels as well which gives you even more stress on the body so that was one of the things that actually I definitely try to encourage women to do is to stop thinking that every session you do has to be an hour or sweaty actually you will be doing more damage to your body Mm -hmm. and you are going to be prone to injury if you carry on working out like that and you can do a really effective workout in 35 to 40 minutes which seems achievable and that's it if if it's achievable it becomes consistent yeah i think the most important thing is finding something you love and doing it even if you can only find 10 minutes do it actually so government guidelines are that's 150 minutes of exercise a week yeah and actually if you break that down that's 30 minutes a day fine enough since i changed the way i was training from the age of 40 i've run my fastest half marathon and actually the recovery weirdly at 40 was easier than it was when I was younger because I didn't just have because I lifted because you're you're Mm. 
you know, you're increasing that mobility, you're getting the synovial fluid, you're getting your joints working. Mm -hmm. And actually, because I'd started to think about what I was putting into my body, mm -hmm. how I was eating, that helps with the recovery. Whereas I think when you're slightly younger, we do bash our bodies, we get up, we run, we drink. But definitely from 35, we know our muscle mass decreases, our bones are breaking down at a bigger rate than we're building them up. Mm -hmm. A third of women have hip fractures over the age of 50. So it's really important that we think about lifting weights. Now, had I started lifting weights earlier, possibly stopped drinking earlier, I may not have been in a position where I was sitting here today at 46 with osteopenia. But so what I know is I have to carry on lifting my weights, but not all the time, maybe once a week, running, walking. You can't reverse osteopenia, but I can prevent osteoporosis. It's also about what we can do right now yeah. with where we are right now. And as you can say, there's a huge amount, even with osteopenia, that you can actually continue to do to support your body with that. Yeah, and, and, and supplements in terms yeah. of vitamin D. And also the impact that stress has on yeah. bone density as well. So we know that that speeds up that wear stage and slows down the repair stage. So really important as well to make sure that you're supporting your adrenal systems, your yeah. HPA access with magnesium. Ashwagandha is a beautiful herb for that. Yes, so that you're... Yeah, no, I need to talk, do, do more research into that. We'll have a conversation <laughs> about that because that is one that lots of people talk about. Yeah. But it's, you know, so... Please listen to the whole of the series we have devoted to this life stage. And if you want to listen to the full episodes of the highlights shared, please check series one of Wild Sessions. We want you to feel empowered, and this time of change should be embraced. We need to support each other with building a community and a conversation so no one need feel alone. We are dynamic human beings, and nurturing our well-being requires a holistic approach. So being open to the different support available from supplementation to HRT, from exercise to diet, is essential for us to thrive. And for further reading, please download our report that looks at the future of the perimenopause and how we can recognise and address its importance within society, supporting women at every stage of life. <laughs>